week of NBA basketball and I feel like I have so many things that I want to talk about but I'm going to try to limit myself and keep it to 30 minutes and talk about a few things that really really you know caught my attention this week so with that being said uh, on today's episode we're going to be talking about the Los Angeles Clippers we're going to be talking about the Brooklyn Nets we're also going to be talking about Stephen Curry and the Golden State Warriors is Stephen Curry the real deal or not we're going to be talking about um, James Harden and the Houston Rockets. And lastly, we're going to be talking about my beloved New York Knicks. So stay tuned, you guys. Um, but let's just get right into it. I want to talk about the Brooklyn Nets, man. Uh, first off, you know, with all due respect to my, my native New York fans, man, but Brooklyn is here. Brooklyn is real. Brooklyn is exactly what we thought they were going to be last year when Kyrie and Kevin Durant decided to sign. And unfortunately, for Knicks fans all over the world, we're going to have to we're going to have to just accept that <laughs> for, for at least the next, you know, 3-4 years we're going to have to accept that Brooklyn is here and it's not a joke. Kevin Durant is back. He's healthy and he's back to being the scariest offensive player in the NBA. Kyrie looks like he's primed for an MVP season. He looks like a, a miniature Kobe Bryant reincarnated with all the respect to Kobe, rest in peace. And I, it's crazy, man, because I can't even hate. I love watching him play. I love watching Kevin Durant play. I love watching Kyrie play. And the supporting cast is A1, right? Supporting cast is A1. I love Kavis LeVert. I love Joe Harris on that team. DeAndre Jordan is playing great. So is Jared Allen. Um, unfortunately, this morning I got news that uh, Spencer Dinwiddie partially tore his ACL, which sucks because obviously that's everybody's fear going into the season injuries. You know, I mean, off the top of my head, obviously we just Clay and, and Spencer right now. Those are the huge, huge losses for the season. I'm not sure if Spencer's going to be out for the whole season, but it seems, you know, with a with a shortened season, it only makes sense for him to miss the rest of it. So. Hopefully, Spencer Dinwiddie, he gets well very soon. But yeah, man, Brooklyn is is the real deal. And as much as I hate to admit it, they're looking like the team to beat right now in the East. I'm not really sure there's a team that I'm like, I'm looking at Milwaukee. I'm looking at, you know, Philly. I'm looking at Miami. All these teams look good so far, but I'm not seeing any team beating Brooklyn in seven games. As of right now, it's still early, you know, it's only the first week of the NBA, so I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but just off the, you know, off the first few games that I've seen, I don't want to be the team that, that has to face Brooklyn 
in the first, second, third round. With that being said, we're going to move the conversation to, to the team out west, the Los Angeles Clippers. Now, I'm happy that I waited, you know, to, to see a first few games before I recorded this episode. Because if I were to record this episode before last night's game against Dallas Mavericks, I would have said, yo, watch out, y'all. The Clippers are, they're looking crazy. They're looking scary. They're looking like, you know, they're refocused. Paul George looking like an MVP candidate. You know me, I'm just going off and just, just highly emotional and highly excited about watching the Clippers play. And they look very serious. Um, unfortunately for Kawhi, he got rocked by Ibaka. So that's why he, I'm guessing that's why he missed this game. So I'm thinking, you know, Paul George, put the team on your back. You know, you got to play against Dallas. You beat these guys in the, you know, in the player, in a bubble last season. So you know they're coming for blood. Paul George, you, you back. You know, you got a lot to prove this year. I'm thinking Paul George is about to go off. Mind you, I'm watching the Knicks game, but I'm just looking at the stats, you know, of of the other games. And I see that Dallas is beating the Clippers by 50. By 50. That's what that's unbelievable for championship contenders, right? Championship contenders, like what is going on? I don't understand. I mean, I, maybe I need to watch the highlights of that game to fully understand it, but just looking at the stats, I'm just like, nah, man. This is the team that I had going up against the Lakers this year in the Western Conference Finals. You know, as much as people were joking about these guys and making jokes about Paul George, you're not making it any easier for yourself, Paul. You're not making it any easier for yourself. But with that being said, let me not, you know, let me not joke too hard because regardless of that loss, the first few games I did watch of the Clippers. They did look very, very serious. They look refocused. They look re-energized. And they look like they're playing with purpose. You know, and I think because of how they lost last season, they're coming into the playoffs. So they're coming into the season like they have a lot to prove. Not only to, you know, the other 29 teams in the NBA, but to themselves. Because Kawhi was just coming off, you know, a finals run, finals MVP. The Clippers gave up legit everything to get Paul George to come over there. And at that point, we were looking at them like, that's really the best wings, the wing duo in the NBA. That is, that's really the best, in my opinion, at least. That's That was the best offense, the two-way duo in the NBA. So I feel like they have to prove it to themselves that they're actually as good as we thought they were and they think they are, right? So Tyron Luke, uh, he got a lot. He got a lot to figure out over there because there's no way you should be taking no 50-point losses at all. Especially to a team that, you know, you you already proven to be better than, I guess, last season. But apparently Luka had other plans. Apparently he had other plans, man. But anyway, I, I don't want to harp on that too long. I still do believe the Clippers are going, are going to be a problem for every team. Um, in the Western Conference Finals, when when it's time to you know really play ball, when the playoffs come around, I do think they're going to be a real problem. And if I'm the Lakers, even though the Lakers still look like well, the Lakers definitely are the best team in the NBA right now to me, and they they look like it. But the Clippers are definitely going to give them problems when they finally figure it out. If they if they figure it out, because I'm not going to lie, I gave them a lot of credit last year, and they made me look stupid. 
which I'm totally fine with, but I'm hoping they, you know, they figure it out. Moving on to the to the next part of the show, man. I want to talk about the the previous or the former dynasty we call the Golden the Golden State Warriors. I'm not gonna lie, I'm a huge Stephen Curry stan. Anyone who knows me personally knows that I rock with Steph. He's my favorite point guard in the NBA right now. I think he's the best point guard of all time. And there's no one that's gonna try to convince me otherwise. But if I'm being completely frank, Golden State is not it this season. Golden State is not it. Uh, I feel bad because they drafted James Wiseman, and I thought that was a perfect fit for Steph, Clay, and Draymond. Um, they needed that front court uh, presence, and I think James Wiseman brought that. So I thought that would have really completed them, at least the completed that you know that core to you know run it back again. And Clay going down was huge, a huge loss for them. And they did what they could by you know bringing in Kelly Oubre, but oh my goodness, he's playing terribly. He's playing terribly. Andrew Wiggins is playing terribly. And what I see is, you know, I see Golden State trying to run the same, at least what it seems like, because I'm not really, you know, a coach, and I don't see the game from that vantage point. But it just seems like they're trying to run the same type of basketball that they were running when, you know, it was Stephen Clay in the backcourt, you know, and you had a Kevin Durant maybe, or, you know, you had other guys to space the floor. But yeah, Kelly Oubre, I don't even remember the stats, and I don't want to waste time looking it up right now. But I think he's like maybe two for 40 or something. Nah, let me, I don't, like again, I don't want to even exaggerate that, but I just know the statistics of his shooting right now are horrendous. So if you have the time, you should look it up and let me know what the stats were for Kelly Oubre in the first few games with Golden State. I really don't think that this team is going to go to the playoffs. Um, I would love to see Stephen Curry put the team on his back and, you know, will them to the playoffs. But from what I'm seeing right now, again, it's, you know, it's the first few games, so I don't want to get too crazy. We need to see what they do against other teams that are, I guess, not not as solidified as the, fir- the first few teams they played. Granted, they got a win yesterday against Chicago by the skin of their teeth. But I don't think that they're going to be able to beat real competitive teams throughout the season if, you know, guys like Kelly Oubre are shooting like that or guys like Andrew Wiggins are not performing. So, I mean, at this point, I don't even know what we expect from Andrew Wiggins, but they're not performing on a championship caliber. But while we're on a, you know, while we're on a conversation of Golden State, there's something that I've been seeing, you know, in the last few days, I believe it was mentioned on ESPN recently and one of my boys sent it in a group chat. I wanted to take time to talk about it. I forgot where it was. Maybe it was first take. He sent the link and he was basically saying that uh, the media is basically scrutinizing, well, not scrutinizing, but saying that this year is going to be a very telling year for Stephen Curry and, and the Golden State Warriors, right? Because Steph doesn't have Clay there, he doesn't have Kevin Durant there, he has to put the team on his back and do the things that guys like James Harden has done or guys like Russell Westbrook has done to will their team to the playoffs. And they're saying that it will be very telling if Stephen Curry, it's, it's going to be very telling of Stephen Curry if he's not able to do that. And it's really been bothering me and I couldn't wait to talk about it on the show. I don't understand how it would be telling of anything 
if Stephen Curry and the Golden State Warriors weren't to make it to the playoffs this season? What, what exactly is that telling you? Is that telling you that Stephen Curry is not as good as we think he is? Because that would be a lie, right? Um, is it telling us that Stephen Curry is not a a winning player, a championship? What exactly is this telling? Granted, it, it could tell you that, okay, Stephen Curry is not, he wasn't able to, you know, bring this team full of a whole bunch of B and C list players besides Draymond, obviously. Um, we don't know what James Wiseman is going to be yet. He wasn't able to bring them to the playoffs. Um, that doesn't necessarily make him a, 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 you know, a poor leader or anything like that. Because um, I feel like we've seen what Stephen Curry could do when his skills are maximized. So you can't use a season where his team is very lackluster, you know, and he has to he he has to put himself in a position where, you know, he has to play, you know, in a system that's not necessarily the system that Steve Curry is running, right? Yeah, I feel like people expect him to just be like, all right, give me the ball and I'm going to get the bucket. But Stephen Curry is not that type of player. Golden State doesn't run that type of basketball. So for people to expect that of Steph and say that it's telling if he doesn't, you know, if he's not able to carry his team to the playoffs, I think that's very um, silly, for lack of a better term. I think it's silly, especially seeing what he's done in the NBA already, right? We can't compare him to a guy like Russell Westbrook that has, you know, with, with nobody else really on his team or with no other all-stars on his team was able to bring, you know, OKC or the Oklahoma City Thunder to the playoffs, right? We can't compare them because what did he do when he got to the playoffs? And in all due respect to Russell Westbrook, but Russell Westbrook hasn't done anything. Yeah, he's gotten his team to the playoffs. He's won MVP, but he hasn't won on his own. Um, so that doesn't necessarily say much about Steph if he's not able to bring his team to the playoffs. Because even if he does bring his team to the playoffs, okay, what does that say? Yeah, I, I need people to, you know, comment, let me know, uh, DM me, share your opinions, man, because I really want to, you know, keep this conversation going about stuff because I feel like we can't take away from what he's already accomplished. So I don't think it's going to be telling at all. If anything, it's going to just be telling of the team that, you know, they're clearly not the best. Uh, this team that they've, you know, put around Steph this season is not the best supporting cast to make sure that they could win. I think that's telling of that, but I don't think it necessarily is saying anything about Stephen Curry. For God's sakes, this guy is the best shooter of all time. Not one of them. The best. And we and there's not many people that's going to be able to argue against that, right? So if you have the best shooter on your team, and he's a point guard, you clearly want to make sure you have the right spacing so he can do what he does best. And right now, I don't think Golden State has that. So I don't think it's fair for us to criticize Steph for this season, even if they do poorly. Because um, if they do poorly and Steph is averaging 30 points, but he's only shooting, you know, 40%, from, uh, he only has a 40% field goal percentage or anything like that. What does that mean? He, he's not as good of a shooter as he once was? I don't think so. Because we, we've seen what he can do when he's in a position, in the right positions to shoot. I don't know, man. I feel like I can go on for a while talking about that, but I'm not going to harp on it anymore. I want to move on to the next topic, 
which is the Houston Rockets. I didn't rhyme on purpose, but I guess since I'm a rapper, it kind of comes naturally sometimes. But anyway, like I said, I want to talk about the Houston Rockets. If you were watching, or I mean, if you were, I guess, listening to the last episode of the podcast, I had Houston, you know, making the playoffs if James Harden is there, if James Harden is healthy, if James Harden is locked in. And we finally got to see uh, James Harden on the court. And all distractions aside, as much as I love Devin Booker, and I think that he will be the best shooting guard in NBA at some point, James Harden's spot right now is solidified. He's solidified. Everything going on with the media crushing him, scrutinizing every move that he makes, him getting fined $50,000 for, you know, not following protocol. He showed up and he balled out. Balled out. 44.17 assists. Come on. Granted, they lost the game. But he basically came out and, and said... Listen, with everything that was going on right now, do not forget, man, I'm still the best shooting guard in the NBA, and I'm still a bucket any given day of the week. And who's going to argue against that, right? Because we know the saying, men lie, women lie, but numbers don't. So regardless of what we're saying about James Harden, no matter where he ends up next season or this season, he's the guy. And that's why he's making a big deal, and he wants to get traded, and he wants to, you know, he wants to go battle for a championship because he feels like he's wasting time. But with that being said, right, I must admit, if James Harden wants to decide to stay and John Wall manages to stay healthy, DeMarcus manages to stay healthy, the Houston Rockets don't even look like a bad team. Because I think, I don't think a lot of people are paying attention to Christian Wood as much as they should right now. But... I was paying attention to him last season because I heard the Knicks wanted to, you know, sign him in free agency. So I started paying attention to this guy, you know, started watching more highlights and, and things like that. Christian Wood is a baller. And he's showing up right now in Houston. And I think what I'm seeing, based on the highlights that I'm seeing, based on, the you know, the games that I've watched, it seems like James Harden might actually like Christian Wood. So we might have a case where, you know, I remember, like, when I was younger, Kobe wanted to get traded from the Lakers. I don't really know all the details about that, but obviously he ended up staying. And, you know, he continued to win. So if this is a situation where Houston decides not to trade James Harden and, and find ways to make him happy, I think they could still contend. With James Harden, John Wall, Christian Wood now, you still got Eric Gordon, you got DeMarcus Cousins. If this team can stay healthy... And James Harden is still playing like he's been playing for the last five, six, seven seasons. Houston is going to be a problem if they, could, if they could figure it out, if they could find that chemistry. Because right now, I know the chemistry is shit. Part of my language. I don't even know if I've cursed before on the podcast, but I know the chemistry is not the greatest right now. The locker room is probably all over the place because of everything going on with James Harden right now. But if they can manage to make it through this storm and put it together, watch out for Houston. Because I know I said that, well, I don't know if I've actually said that on the podcast, because sometimes I'm having conversations off the podcast, so I get it confused. But I know I've mentioned that Bradley Bill and Russell Westbrook may have one of, may have the best backcourt in the East, or maybe in the NBA, but a healthy John Wall and a healthy James Harden is pretty elite as well. 
Christian Wood, man, I think he has potential to really break out. He can stretch the floor. He can get to the basket. He can get his own bucket. So watch out for the Houston Rockets. And we're going to move on to the last portion of the show. So if you've been watching the show, you know that it's time for Knicks and Dimes. I really need to get a jingle for this part. I don't know what it's going to sound like yet, y'all, but bear with me because, again, like I said, we're just getting started on the show. But anyway, like I said, man, it's time for Knicks and Dimes. The Knicks have played three NBA basketball games this season so far, and they are one and two. We played the Indiana Pacers. We played the Philadelphia 76ers. And yesterday, we played the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, going into the season, I already knew that the first half of the season for us is extremely difficult. We have a lot of tough matchups. And I'm actually okay with that because I feel like the way the season is set up, you know, we have a lot of guys that are on expiring contracts, very team-friendly contracts. So I don't expect all the guys that are on the team right now to be on the team by the trade deadline. So that's great, right? So we're going to have a lot of tough matchups. We're going to learn to gel as a team. We're going we're gonna to win some. We're going to lose some. But a lot of our young guys are going to be learning, right? They're going to be learning from a lot of the vets like Alec Burke, who's a baller so far. They're learning from uh, guys like Reggie Bullock and Alfred Payton and Julius Randle, right? So I think that midseason, we're, we're going to see a lot of uh, players get traded and a lot of space get opened up for the young guys to continue to, you know, make their way. Um, but anyway, with that being said, man, the Knicks are one and two. We played our first game against Indiana. And I'm again, I'm happy that I didn't record this podcast after the first game. Because if I if I did, then I would have just said. Well, I, I probably still going to I still believe this, but R.J. Barrett is the real deal. First game, 20 points in the first half. Didn't miss. Didn't miss. Right. Obviously, second game, complete opposite, complete opposite. He, he, he did miss. He missed everything. He couldn't make a shot second game. Uh, and yesterday, you know, he had a very balanced game, did everything. He passed, scored, I mean, passed, scored, rebound, you know, regular RJ numbers. But one thing I will say that I've really enjoyed surprisingly this season so far and the three games that I've seen is Julius Randle. Now, all of my Knicks fans that know me personally know that I personally feel like Julius Randle can ball, but he hasn't gelled well with RJ. He hasn't, I feel like it hasn't looked the best for me. Um, he hasn't passed the ball enough to RJ. Him and RJ just don't have enough chemistry. So I'm like, yo, if it's, if it's RJ before anybody, because I'm all for the players that we draft before any other player. Those are my priorities. So if that's not going to work, and RJ is the guy we're supposed to be building around Julius Randle, I've said that he can go. But if if this Julius Randle, if this is the Julius Randle we're going to be getting all season, he can stay for a while. I don't even mind. He could definitely stay for a while because this Julius Randle is the Julius Randle that I know he could be. He's a brute. He can score. He can pass. He can rebound. He can do it all. And when he's playing for the team, we look good. Win or lose, we look good. And Julius Randle has looked like the best player on the team so far, right? One player now that I'm not, I'm not too excited about. I wasn't excited when he got here. I wasn't excited last. I mean, 
he had his games. He had an amazing game last night in Alfred Payton. Granted, you know, I think that you, he he has potential, right? He's he's clearly been able to do a lot in the NBA in terms of getting triple doubles, and he's been able to you know compete. But he can't shoot. And yesterday he had an amazing game, but he can't shoot. And I'm all about having a, a, a guy that can shoot. Granted, people are gonna try to front on Frank Nilakina, but I feel like again he's hasn't had his fair shake. And he's shown that he has the shooting mechanics and the form. Yesterday was a perfect example. He's starting to break. He's starting to get more confident. And with the minutes that he's going to start to see this season, we're going to see him break out. But Alfred Payton, he's just too. He's up and down for me, which is which is exactly what I've gotten from the from the Knicks so far. Very up and down. You know, first game we lost, but we saw a lot of glimpses. First half we were great. Second half we were trash. Second game, we did the same thing. First half, we were great. Second half, we were trash. And I think Tom Thibodeau really, really preached that after the game against Philly because you saw how they played against Milwaukee last night. Intense defense for 48 minutes. Everyone contributed. I loved what I saw from everybody on the team. I love what I saw from Frank when he came off the bench. Confidence, confidence, confidence. And that's what it is, man. You got to pump confidence into your young players. You got to pump confidence in your team to make sure they know that they can make mistakes, but it's fine. Just as long as you're playing an intense defense, if you're playing on that side of the court, the offense is going to come. You don't got to worry about that too much. And that's why guys like Alfred Payton could have games like he did because we were playing so great on defense. And mind you, he had such a terrible game the night before. He knew he just had to show up and just let the game come to him. And, and that's exactly what happened. The game came to him, and he was dominant last night. And that's why guys like, you know, uh, Giannis, they didn't know they didn't know what to do because on the scouting report, they did not have Alfred Payton making threes. Let him shoot is what the scouting report said, I'm sure. And they let him shoot, and he shot that thing, and he really lit it up. So shout out to, to the Knicks, man. Uh, I knew this week was going to be difficult. So the fact that we were able to beat Milwaukee, I did not have the New York. I, we, I didn't have us beat in Milwaukee yesterday at all. Um, so the fact that we were able to do that, I'm extremely excited. That's a good sign for us. We're able to, you know, compete. We're not we're not going to shy away from the competition, no matter who it is. And if we could beat the Milwaukee Bucks, I think we can get a few more difficult wins in the first half of the season. Um, I know a lot of people online, or a, a lot of Knicks fans that I follow online, predict that the Knicks are going to get, you know, out of the 72 wins, they can get 31. And I'm thinking we really could. I don't necessarily need this to go above 500. I don't really expect us to go to the playoffs this year. If we did and we overachieved, amazing. But I'm totally fine, you know, with us getting like, you know, 450% close to 500. And I think so far, what I've seen yesterday, it can still happen, but I'm not going to get too ahead of myself. We're going to take this week by week and see what we're going to get. And yeah, man, uh, I love what I'm seeing so far. So... Share your opinions with me, man. This is, I guess I'm going to leave it at this. You know, comment, share, subscribe, do all that good stuff. And until next time, another episode, y'all.